Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Every time I read some sort of uh, self-improvement book, Kat says, you're acting weird. (laughs) Well, we were going into a store together the other day, and you were just like, I love you so much. What can I do for you today to make your life better? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and, and you're like, well, just what can I give to you? What can I do for you that that will help you today? And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. what? I don't like this. You're, you're being weird. I, what do you, what's happening? You're trying to hide something. Are you leaving me? <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does it every time. Uh, you know, I was just reading. I'm book- suspicious by nature. <laughs> I understand. I think we all are. <laughs> this was a book that I was reading. Um, it's actually, weirdly enough, I was doing some research on the Illuminati just oh, because that okay. seemed, you know, interesting sure. to me. Secret societies and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I came across a book that uh, lists what they allege are the 66 laws of the Illuminati. Oh, okay. That's a lot. And one of them, it, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of laws. One of them was to actively look to make somebody's life better during your day. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, you know, I start with somebody I like and that's close to me in proximity. So sure. Now, yeah. I'm not joining the Illuminati. That's not <laughs> not the point. I think you know you'll you'll have to go elsewhere. I mean, you can't improve my situation. I I already get to live with you, so. I mean, see, now you're just being gross. <laughs> Calling people out for being gross is also one of the laws of the is, Illuminati. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> just so as you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get to go first today. Very excited. I know you know this story, and I'm frankly shocked that neither one of us have done an episode on it yet. Oh, really? Bobby Joe Long, criminal career, began sometime around 1980. 
Bobby Joe's first crimes occurred in the areas of Fort Myers, Miami, Ocala, and Dade County, Florida. Bobby Joe Long. Why? I can't, I can't place it. I remember it, but I can't place it. Well, sometime in 1981, Long began placing classified ads in local Florida newspapers. He was trying to sell small home appliances. Okay. And... So if a woman answered the ads, he uh, he would go to their house, and if they were alone, he would uh, he would rape them. Oh, yeah. Jesus! Like fifty women. Oh, fifty okay. women suffered this fate. He's he was known at the time as the classified ads rapist. Now, if he put the ads in, how do you how are you not able to trace back who who that is? Like, how are you putting ads in the paper and not being traceable? Well, back in those days, it was probably a lot easier. You probably didn't even need to have a credit card. You could just go and pay cash. Oh, that's gross. In 1981, Long had his first run-in with the law. He was arrested for rape and robbery. And at the time of his arrest, he was uh, was dating his 17-year-old neighbor. And he was like 31. In 1983, Long was finally convicted of that 1981 rape of Sharon Richards. He was also convicted of sending lewd photographs and letters to a 12-year-old girl in Tampa. That's disgusting. For the latter crime, Long was sentenced to, are you ready? Two days. What? Two days in jail, (sighs) six months of probation. As far as the rape case against uh, Richards, he was convicted But then he requested and received a retrial in 1984, and due to a technicality, Long was acquitted of all charges in the second rape. And as he left the courtroom, he stopped and literally laughed in Richard's face. Oh, my God. It was later proven, as I mentioned before, that he had raped at least 50 women during this crime spree. And so perhaps he was emboldened by getting away with his crimes relatively unscathed. He then turned to serial killing, murdering at least 11 young women between the ages of 17 and 22. Oh, man. At approximately 2 a.m. on November 3rd, 1984. This is, I'm sorry, this is the thing where if I started reading a book and and the book was what you are telling me, I would flip to the end to make sure he's <laughs> fucking dead. Like, because yeah. I need for him to be dead. Okay, well, let's, let's let the story unfold. This is where you'll start recognizing it, I okay. think. Because I did a deeper dive on this guy. Yeah. So approximately at 2 a.m. on November 3rd, 1984, 17-year-old Lisa McVeigh. Lisa McVeigh! Yes! I know this. I know her. Fuck him. I don't remember his name. I remember her name. Yes! She was riding her bike, 17 years old. She was riding her bike near Tampa, Florida. Uh, Bobby Joe Long abducted her. (sighs) He first forced her to perform oral sex on him. He then drove her 30 minutes to his apartment with the idea of torturing, raping, and ultimately killing her. Now, here's a little bit about McVeigh. She had uh, suffered unbelievable abuse during her childhood and teen years. Before being abducted by a serial killer, she had already dealt with an alcoholic mother. Because of that, she was sent to live with a relative, and that relative's boyfriend abused her sexually, physically, and emotionally. And so after dealing with this torture... For three years, Mm -hmm. she was pretty desperate. So the 17-year-old wrote a suicide note and then went to work a double shift at the local donut shop. On her way back to the house... From that double shift. She was abducted by... 
Gee. by Long. This is not a good day. Over the next horrific 26 hours, she was raped so many times that she lost count. Since McVeigh had been sexually abused as a child, uh, she said that um, that actually helped her withstand the constant assaults. It's amazing what your brain can mm -hmm. do to protect yourself. Absolutely. And I'm sure that she had built up some, I mean, unfortunately, she had she had been able to build up some defenses, defenses that, against yeah, it. Yeah, I would think it's a tough way to, <sighs> Poor, sweet to toughen up. It was clear Long was intending to make McVeigh his uh, next murder victim, but he greatly underestimated her mental strength, intelligence and her observational skills. What she did was she got him talking. She asked him why. He had abducted her and long surprisingly answered saying that he, quote, was getting back at women in general for a really bad breakup with another girl. Mm, that's bullshit. And no woman is responsible for how this man behaves. Uh, he is a psychopath. Let's please continue. McVeigh used this knowledge to her advantage. That was something that gave her an edge when she was trying to reason with him. From the very moment she was abducted, she began gathering as much useful information as she possibly could. Now, she was blindfolded, but she could still see a little bit from like the edges of her blindfold. Mm -hmm. So she started paying close attention and making a mental list of as much information as she possibly could. Things like what kind of a car she was in. She could she saw the emblem on the dashboard of mm -hmm. what kind of car that this guy was driving. She was able to figure out the approximate route that they took. She noted that he stopped at an ATM, and that's smart because there are cameras right. at ATMs, yeah. even back then. She was even able to uh, come up with a rough description of his face, though she never actually saw him because she would feel his face with her hands. She knew he had a mustache. She knew what his approximate body build was. Yep. She knew he had pock marks. She even knew the type of haircut he had and, and many other things. McVeigh also, when she was at his apartment, put her fingerprints on everything yes. that she could, she could manage, especially in the bathroom, to help police identify her in case she was, she was killed. So she did what she could to uh, keep him talking and keep him calm. She spoke to him in a soft, gentle tone as if she was talking to a four-year-old. To make him feel like she was on his side, she even... Uh, made a fake offer to be his girlfriend. She said, she said, quote, listen, it's unfortunate how we met, but I can be your girlfriend. I could take care of you and no one has to know. That's got to be so hard. You have to have such incredible, what's the word I'm looking for? Fortitude. Fortitude, like tenacity, because I think it would be so hard to not be like, fuck you, I hope you die. Burn in a house fire. Ah! But instead, she's she's so smart and she's using what she knows. I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed. She's my hero. She is able to, at 17 years old, sort of psychoanalyze this guy. Yeah. She kind of understood what was making this guy tick. And a lot of it was due to all the horrible experiences that mm -hmm. she had had. In her life. So she was very carefully trying to manipulate him to, to gain sympathy. It was hard to gauge if her ploy was working because Long had uh, a very unpredictable temperament. Uh, he was rough with her one moment and very gentle and almost paternal with her the next. And then he would be rough with her again. She said, his demeanor was very aggressive. I did what he told me to do. I was afraid if I didn't, he would kill me. Mm. Then he would get in the shower, and it was like night and day. 
it was like a fantasy for him. He started bathing me, started washing my hair, trying to touch me gently. He would hold me for a second and then all of a sudden become this aggressive monster again. One minute he was calm, like a four-year-old child, and the next thing he was a raging bull. So McVeigh knew she had to do everything in her power to gain Long's sympathy. So she would make up stories to cast her in a more sympathetic light. For example, she claimed that she was an only child and that her father was extremely ill and that mm -hmm. if he killed her or if anything happened to her, there wouldn't be anybody left to take care of, of her dad. She believes that this is part of what made him feel sorry for her, which ultimately helped her gain her freedom. Eventually, it, it, it seemed to win him over. In fact, it did, because at one point he blindfolded her again, but this time he took her to a remote area and he released her. So, after suffering at Long's hands for 26 hours, she was finally free and she makes her way back home, where a relative spent the next five hours beating her and demanding to know where she had been. Jiminy Cricket, I forgot about that part. Oh. But as she was being beaten and interrogated by a family member, her story remained consistent. So eventually, they called the police. It had been 31 hours since she was grabbed off of her bicycle. Mm -hmm. Remaining alerting and, and committing the details to memory enabled the police to catch along. It took three days. Jeez Louise. And the discovery of two more bodies. But police put the pieces together by connecting the physical evidence from uh, two of Long's murders and the information that uh, McVeigh had, uh, had passed along. Wow. At the time of his capture, Long was wanted in three Tampa Bay area jurisdictions where investigators had collected uh, multiple forms of forensic evidence, according to Wikipedia, including clothing, carpet fibers, semen, lig ligature marks, and rope knots. Long was arrested outside a movie theater on November 16, 1984, charged with, a, uh, charged with the sexual battery and kidnapping of Lisa McVeigh. Long signed a formal Miranda waiver and consented to questioning after the detectives uh, procured a confession for the McVeigh case. Their questioning focused on a series of unsolved sexual battery homicides in the Tampa Bay area. As the detectives questioned Long about these other murders, he replied, I'd rather not answer that. Wow. They continued their interrogation. They handed him photographs of various murder victims. At this point, Long stated, um, the quote, the complexion of things sure have changed since you came back into the room. I think I might need an attorney, but because he signed away his rights, mm. he was not provided one. Fiber evidence analysis by the FBI linked Long's vehicle to most of these victims. Hillsborough County State Attorney's Office confronted Long with the evidence. The state attorney and the public defender's office of Hillsborough County reached a plea bargain for eight of the homicides and the abduction and rape of Lisa McVeigh. Long uh, pleaded guilty on September 24th, 1984. He received 26 life sentences yeah. without the possibility of parole. That's right. 24 concurrent and two to run consecutively to the last 24, and then seven life sentences with the possibility of parole after 25 years. In addition, the state retained the option to seek the death penalty for the murder of Michelle Sims, one of his other victims. In July 1986, the penalty phase of the Michelle Sims trial was held in Tampa. Again, according this is all, all according to Wikipedia. It lasted one week, and uh, it was all over the news. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a big, big event. Um, 
according to the Florida Department of Corrections, Long had one five-year sentence and four 99-year sentences, 28 life sentences, and one death sentence by the time it was all over. Long's appeals were denied, and he was executed by lethal injection on May 23rd, 2019. Oh. Last year. More than 30 years after his conviction, he ate his final meal at 9.30 a.m. local time. He requested roast beef, bacon, french fries, and soda. He was pronounced dead at 6.55 p.m., and made no last statement. 35 years after her abduction, Lisa McVeigh Norland was at the execution of Bobby Joe Long, sitting in the front row. What a beast. She is currently a sheriff's department deputy in Tampa. She says she made this career choice to prevent herself from ever getting hurt again. Lisa McVeigh Norland. What amazing. Now, isn't she an advocate for... Sex abuse victims as yes. well? Yeah. She has turned her whole life She's into... She's incredible. Yeah. She's just incredible. I got my information from the Washington Post, CNN, Ranker, Wikipedia, and Listverse. What oh. an amazing woman she is. I am glad he's dead. And like, I have issues with the death penalty. I have qualms. Mm-hmm. I have qualms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then I hear a story like this and I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Shoot him up. Shoot him up. Shoot him up. Fry his brains out. Put it on pay-per-view. And we'll give the money to the victims' families. And now, that thing in the middle. There were a lot of strange vocational options available in the past. For example, during the 18th and 19th century, you could hire a professional sin eater in England. Here's how it worked. During a funeral, a loaf of bread would be placed on the recently deceased's chest. The theory was that the bread would absorb all of the sins from the dead person's body. The sin eater would then eat the bread to ensure that the departed went to heaven immediately. Unfortunately, historical records don't indicate whether or not there was a gluten-free option for 19th century sin eaters. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? 
I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Professionally recorded on a state-of-the-art Wallensack reel-to-reel tape recorder. Google it, you little shits. This is the Box of Oddities. So the Freaks group on Facebook uh, approaching uh, about 4,000 people now. Right, right. Uh, And when you request to be a part of the group, uh, there are questions that you have to answer just to make sure that you're not, you know, a bot or something. And the question is, do you hereby swear that you will be nothing but sweetness to your fellow freaks and approach this conversation with love in your heart and pants? And (laughs) sometimes people respond in the best ways. For instance, Catherine, uh, who is now a member of the Freaks group, responded with, The love in my pants is dead, but a good freakish always sparkles love in my heart. I will behave. (laughs) I just adore. Thank you. Claudia responded by saying, I, Claudia, do solemnly swear that I will follow Wheaton's law. 
Don't be a dick. <laughs> and uphold the values of the free community with all the sweetness in my soul and all the love in my heart and pants. Well done. Love it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you want to join the Freaks group, uh, hit up uh, the, the Facebooks and and click yep. join. Yep. It's just uh, Freaks, a Box of Oddities podcast group. We'll see you there. In the meantime, I'm guessing you have a story for us? I do. I have a thing. Sometimes when we are uh, out and about doing our thing in the world, we are injured. And I, for instance, have been recently cutting down trees with a new chainsaw, which I'm very excited about. But every time I take it out, you look at me like it's the last time. <laughs> I'm, I'm ever going to see you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, and, I, and I've got to tell you, it, it didn't really give me much confidence when, as you were getting ready to start it up, you were saying, geez, I haven't used a chainsaw since I was 10. <laughs> what? Anyway, so I was thinking, you you keep telling me these terrible, terrible stories about injuries. Yes. And so I thought, well, let's, you know, I... <laughs> Let's learn more about terrible injuries. Okay, let's do that then. Um, and this is what I like to call unusual injuries, celebrity style. Yay. You know, we don't talk about celebrities very often because who cares? Um, but this, <laughs> this I thought was very interesting and I learned some stuff. So here we go. Anderson Cooper. It's 2012, and Anderson Cooper is filming in Portugal for a piece for 60 Minutes. The story was about a surfer, and much of his story was about his various injuries being a surfer. Apparently, it's crazy dangerous, and he's just resorted to supergluing his entire body now, but that's not the point. Anderson Cooper, doing his journalism thing, told CBS this morning that the day was overcast and he was filming out on the water for about two hours. Uh, everything was fine. But that night he went home or back to the hotel and went to bed. I wake up in the middle of the night, he says, and it feels like my eyes are on fire. My eyeballs, they hurt. And I think, Oh, maybe I have sand or something in my eyes. Sure. So he douses them with water. Anyway, it turns out I've sunburned my eyeballs and I go blind. That's not a thing, is it? He went blind for 36 hours because he sunburned oh. his eyeballs. Oh. It can be from the sun. It can be from man-made sources. Uh, but it's basically having a sunburned eyeball. Eye damage from UV rays is particularly common in the North and South Pole areas or high mountains where the air is thinner and it provides less protection from those UV rays. The Vision Council uh, did a survey and it said that about 20% of people didn't believe that their eyes were at risk of sun exposure. Like they didn't know that you could get injured because of sunburn on your eyeballs. And even if people do believe that the sun can damage their eyes, many fail to realize that the cumulative effects of the sun on your eyes can be very, very dangerous. So sunglasses, sassy, but also very important. <laughs> it's too bad that sunscreen wasn't as sassy as sunglasses, because probably the rate of skin cancer would be a lot lower. Well, that's why like, I buy... Uh, moisturizer that has sunscreen built into it because I'm not great at remembering to put on sunscreen when mm. I leave the house, especially like on days where it's overcast. But days where it's overcast, your skin is just as much at risk as when it's sunny. That's why I don't go outside much. Yeah, well, no. Oh, well, you've got such a, a lovely complexion anyway. I've never seen you get a sunburn. You, you, just, you just get bronzer and more like some sort of Greek goddess. Goddess? Yeah. Sure, why not? 
Am I a beautiful goddess? You're a beautiful goddess. Thank you. Anyway, Johnny Knoxville. Uh, the Daily Beast described Johnny Knoxville in this way, and I can't not repeat it because it's amazing. <laughs> the MTV madman who made his name by subjecting his lanky frame to all manner of peril, ridicule, and blunt force trauma alongside his daredevil brethren of jackass. I just thought that was a great way to describe Johnny Knoxville. Sums it up. Um, he was filming a documentary called Being Evil, which was revisiting... Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel. Exactly. I, I, I've actually seen that. Have yeah. It was a very well done documentary. Wow. Johnny Knoxville, in, uh, in filming that documentary, took a spill while attempting to backflip a motorcycle. The bike came straight down mm. on Knoxville's wang. And his handlebars actually snapped off. It hit the ground and his, his dink so heartily mm. that the handlebars snapped off the bike as his film crew and uh, friends just stood by. I'm guessing it was not a great scene. I don't remember that scene. Maybe I blocked that out. My my mind is trying to protect me from... I don't know that they kept that shot in the, the documentary. Oh. I, I, maybe. It does, it does seem like something that he would be like, keep it. That would be in the trailer, <laughs> I would think. Uh, but yeah, his penis was broken. Knoxville recalled... In an interview with Howard Stern, I thought I was peeing myself. Oh, no. Every time my heart would beat, blood would shoot out of the end of my penis. Oh, oh I should say, there's a trigger warning. Like, this is going to be kind of rough it's at points. Too late. There are times where, oh, no, it gets worse. Oh. There are times where this is going to get a little squeamy. Um, so just prepare yourself because it gets rough. Is there more damaged peen talk? Well, we're going to talk about Johnny Knoxville a little bit more. Uh, but he's the last peener. Um, All right. Go ahead. Okay. So Howard Stern asked him about the catheter that he then had to utilize. Johnny explained that this was to prevent the injury to his urethra from becoming permanent. So to make sure that the scar tissue didn't constrict and mm. make make it so that there was no hole in his penis, right. he had to twice a day put a catheter up inside his penis. I don't know if it's this discussion or if it's just a little bit warm in our studio today or a combination a of bit both, <laughs> but I'm starting to feel queasy. All right. Well, we're almost done uh, with this part. He he didn't need additional surgery. Uh, he just had to pr right. do that, what oh, I just said, uh, for about two years to make sure that it, did, it healed the way that it two needed to. years. Twice a day for two years. Should have done a documentary on that. <laughs> Things uh, apparently are much better now. Oh, well, good. Sean Waltman, a.k.a. X-Pac, and the 123 Kid of... World Wrestling Federation in 2013 was very well known for his signature move called the Bronco Buster. In the Bronco Buster, an opponent is seated in the corner of the ring while the attacking wrestler jumps in the corner, straddling his or her opponent's body and then bounces up on down uh, on yeah. the opponent's chest. Okay. It, it looks a little... Uh, Sexy. It look, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're starting to, to blush a little bit. Oh. You're becoming flushed. It's, listen, do we want to go back to the penis injury? Move along. Okay. So we all know that wrestling is crafted in such a way, uh, choreographed mm -hmm. in such a way. Like so a that, fine ballet. Exactly. With large, sweaty men in spandex. I'm into it. 
But in this case, the wrestler who was in the corner, who is going to be attacked by the Bronco Buster, moved. And so, so Sean flew crotch first into the turnbuckle. You said there was not going to be any more peen talk. Well, it's not his peen. It's his butthole. According to Deadspin.com, Sean finished the match, but during the after party, he wasn't feeling great. He went to the bathroom and discovered that blood had pooled into his singlet, and so he called himself an ambulance. His girlfriend, Alicia Webb, tweeted a photo from the hospital with this description. We don't know if there's a medical term for it, but he did a Bronco Buster last night that literally ripped his ass apart. Whoo, daddy. Sean had to have surgery, and it's called a sphincteroplasty to reshape his butthole because his butthole had ripped right open. Oh, Lord. He had surgery. It went well. He was released like two days later. Is he still wrestling? Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But according but. to ah, but according to Alicia, this was not the first time that his butthole had been ripped open. Really? So uh, apparently the Bronco Blaster is a dangerous move for buttholes. I guess so. Okay. <clears throat> This one is the one that I had a little bit of a struggle with. So if you are a gentle person and you don't think that this is something that you want to hear, it doesn't involve weens or buttholes. But for me, this was the toughest one. Okay. 2015, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's at home and he tripped over a braided rug in his kitchen. And he noticed his finger wound up, quote, completely sideways after his hands broke his fall. (laughs) So he wrapped his hand up and held it over his head and went to a local hospital. Doctors let him know that it was not a simple break. I'm, I think I might just wait for you out in the hall while you finish this up. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll tough it out. Apparently, his ring had yeah. caught on the countertop before he landed yeah. because his finger had been completely ripped out of the socket. Mm. This is what's called ring avulsion. In some cases, ring avulsion can cause injury to the surrounding skin, muscle, and tissue known as degloving, which is exactly what you think it is. Sometimes the finger can be removed completely from the hand. There are rings, by the way, that you can buy now, which will break easily they're made for like people who do sports right. and construction and that kind of stuff that'll just like snap if they're under some extreme pressure because even though this is not the kind of thing that happens often when it does it's incredibly painful and I, very hard to make work again or to make a sandwich or yeah exactly Fallon's doctors were able to reattach his finger by replacing the crushed vein with one from his foot Uh, But in most ring avulsion cases, according to CNET.com, amputation is the best and safest option. Wow. Uh, Jimmy had to cancel a taping and probably didn't have any feeling in his finger for about a dozen weeks or so. He uh, does have a finger that works now and everything is just just fine. Good. Okay, that's the show. See you guys. Bye. (laughs) Love to... Love to talk with you more, but...
Gotta go. You're all set? I'm all set. Okay. Uh, well, that is the last one. I was going to uh, do another one, but I think I think that's enough for right now. Um, <laughs> so that is uh, Terrible Injuries, the Celebrity Edition. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Whoa. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. That Sorry. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So anyway... If you're like me and you want to either have a cold drink or put your head between your knees or both, um, we will wrap it up. Do want to thank those of you who are supporting the Box of Oddities on our premium site. If you would like to join, we would love to have you. Yes, please. You get direct contact to us. You get an episode. uh, Ad-free and a day early. And a bonus episode. And again, it does help support the podcast as we hope to continue to grow it. Get all the details at theboxofoddities.com. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. (laughs) Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books. As I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.